So good to have you with us here today for our congregation at prayer. Today is August 25th, Tuesday, 2020. It is the day that the Lord has made. We rejoice and are glad in it. Let's begin with our prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. We say our memory verse for this week. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Ephesians 2, verses 8 through 9. Our psalm this week is Psalm 92. Say it with me if you're able. It is good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praises to your name, O Most High, to, to declare your steadfast love in the morning and your faithfulness by night, to the music of the lute and the harp, to the melody of the lyre. For you, O Lord, have made me glad by your work. At the works of your hands I sing for joy. How great are your works, O Lord! Your thoughts are very deep. The stupid man cannot know, the fool cannot understand this, that though the wicked sprout like grass, and all evildoers flourish, they are doomed to destruction forever. But you, O Lord, are on high forever. For behold your enemies, O Lord, for behold, your enemies shall perish. All evildoers shall be scattered. But you have exalted my horn like that of the wild ox. You have poured over me fresh oil. My eyes have seen the downfall of my enemies. My ears have heard the doom of my evil assailants. The righteous flourish like the palm tree and grow like a cedar in Lebanon. They are planted in the house of the Lord. They flourish in the courts of our God. They still bear fruit in old age. They are ever full of sap and green. To declare that the Lord is upright. He is my rock, and there is no unrighteousness in him. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Our reading for catechesis today is from Matthew chapter 24. Watch, therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore you also be ready. For the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Who then is a faithful and wise servant, whom his master made ruler over his household, to give them food in due season? Assuredly, 
is that servant whom his master, when he comes, will find so doing. Assuredly, I say to you, that he will make him a ruler over all his goods. But if that evil servant says in his heart, My master is delayed his coming, and begins to beat his fellow servants, and to eat and drink with the drunkards, the master of that servant will come on a day when he is not looking for him, and at an hour that he is not aware of, and will cut him in two, and appoint him his portion with the hypocrites. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. All right, so to whom is Jesus speaking these words? And maybe it's helpful to remember this is a continuation of a discourse that we had even going back, uh, I believe, to Saturday, if I remember correctly. Yeah, Jesus predicts signs of the end. All right, so it tells us, Matthew 24, verse 3, he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, all right, so he's speaking privately to his disciples. What verb there is used in verse 42? Yeah, the verb watch, watch. Now, how is that um, verb watch used elsewhere um, in this gospel? Right, we have it right here coming up in verse 43, right? That uh, with this uh, parable, I guess you would call it, the hour that the thief would come, uh, the master of the house would have watched and not allowed. Okay, so we have it there. Uh, It will come up again later on in Matthew 25. Just scrolling to it here. 25, mm, verse 13. Afterward, the virgins also came saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. This is the ten virgins. But he answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you, I do not know you. There it is again. Watch, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. And then we'll definitely see this in Matthew 26. All right. So this is in the garden and uh, with Jesus' three prayers. Then he said to them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful even to death. Stay here and watch with me. He went a little farther, fell on his face, and prayed, saying, O my Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And then he came to his disciples and found them sleeping. And said to Peter, What could you not? Here it is. Watch with me one hour. Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Right. So we have watch there a few times. All right, so overall, how would you describe its use? All of this is in connection uh, of being prepared for the day of the Lord's return. All right, so we watch for the day of the Lord's return. Can we see it? We talked about this yesterday. No, there are no signs of its coming. We have, its, we have the word. We see it by faith. So what do we learn about the coming of the Lord, both in verse 42 you do not know. In verse 44, Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. We don't know when he will come. All right, so this is disputing all the televangelists, right? Who look around this world and say these are signs of the coming of the Lord. And like, no. <laughs> They're signs of judgment, certainly. They're signs of the corruption of sin, absolutely. Um, but we will not know. All right, so 
Be like the ten virgins, as we heard that story, right? Be prepared. Always be prepared. And the Lord gives you the gifts that prepare you each day with his word and sacrament. All right. Now, in verse 43, we already talked about this a little bit, um, but to who is, or who is compared to the master of the house who does not know when the thief will come? Remember, who is he talking to? He's talking to his disciples, right? So this is actually for them. They are the master of the house who don't know when the thief will come. All right. A minister who must wait faithfully for the Lord's return precisely because he not, do not, does not know when he will come. He will come like a thief in the night. So who is compared then to the thief? Kind of a, a backwards analogy, if you like, Jesus at his second coming. Now in verse 45, Who then is a faithful and wise servant whom his master made ruler over his household to give them food in due season? Who is the faithful and wise servant and who alone? To give you a hint. Yeah, this is about Jesus too, right? So you see how he flips and then he becomes the positive. Uh, They have the positive example for Jesus immediately after the negative. Who then are the servants, right? Who, um, the servants, well, who else are the master servants? So we have two different kinds of servants here, really, right? In verse 46 and following. Who are the servants whom the master, when he comes, will find so doing? Those are the faithful apostles and other called and ordained ministers of Christ who are to be faithful and wise servants, all right, just as Jesus was, in faithfully preaching the gospel and administering the sacraments, guarding the flock until his return. So first it's the apostles, and then, uh, then it's the servants that are in the apostolic church, those who've been set apart by the Lord um, to deliver the Lord's gifts, his goods, his, their food in due season. All right. Assuredly, I say to you that he will make him ruler over all his goods. Right? Uh, we might even say president or presider would be a good word there too. All right. So what food is to be given at the proper time? <laughs> you may pray this uh, in your, your mealtime prayers as Luther, Luther gives us uh, in the daily prayers in the catechism. Right. This is the psalm that's given to us to pray, at least in part, um, before the prayer, and I think before the Thanksgiving too, right? So for example, Psalm 104, these all wait for you that you may give them their food in due season. What you give them, they gather in. You open your hand, they are filled with good. You hide your face, they are troubled. You take away their breath, they die and return to the dust. You send forth your spirit, they are created, and you renew the face of the earth. May the glory of the Lord endure forever. May the Lord rejoice in his works. He looks on the earth and it trembles. He touches the hills and they smoke. I will sing to the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praise to my God while I have my being. May my meditation be sweet to him. I will be glad in the Lord. May sinners be consumed from the earth and the wicked be no more. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Praise the Lord. So you recognize there? These all wait for you that you may give them their food in due season. You open your hand. They are filled with good. Recognize that. Uh, but also Psalm 145 it goes like this. Verse 13, your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures throughout all generations. The Lord upholds all who fall and raises up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look expectantly to you and you give them their food in due season. 
you open your hand and satisfy the desire of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways, gracious in all his works. The Lord is near to those who call upon him to call upon him in truth. He will fulfill the desire of those who fear him. He will also hear their cry and save them. The Lord preserves all who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. My mouth shall speak the praise of the Lord, and my all flesh shall bless his holy name forever and ever. All right. So obviously, yes, you know it from the meal prayers, especially Psalm 145. But in both Psalms, you'll note that that referring to um, the hungry being filled with good things, if you like, uh, to quote St. Mary, is actually in reference to the faithful preaching of the word, the deliverance of the salvation that you have in Christ, which you receive then also by the good food that are the feeding of the sacraments, the administration of the Lord's gifts. All right. So um, it can be used both ways, is the point. What does Jesus mean when he says, Assuredly, I say to you, verse 47, that he will make him ruler over all his goods? I already kind of said this before, but maybe it's worth fleshing out a bit. It is the preachers of the gospel whom the Lord has set apart to care for all those who are in the household of the redeemed, that is, those who have been purchased by the blood of Christ, for they are his possessions. Um, so the pastors have. Uh, the care of the flock entrusted to them, his goods, right? And that they be faithful stewards of, of those whom the Lord has entrusted to their care. I, I suppose it's worth mentioning here um, that for some, the concept of being a member of a congregation is kind of this old, outdated idea, and that, you know, we can just kind of set it aside and just go to whatever church we feel like on any given Sunday. That is not the picture of the Holy Christian Church that the Lord gives. He actually gives you under the care uh, of a pastor. And that pastor is also yours to care for, to provide for. And he does this within a congregation that is also yours. It's entrusted to you. And the pastor has been entrusted with the care of that congregation. It's very particular and it's very local. And what that means then um, is uh, there should be a degree of loyalty, I guess, um, or trust, but that comes through action, through service, right? Not, not just by virtue of who they are. Um, so take that, take that commitment seriously in regards to, I mean, who is your pastor? Where is your congregation? Or who is your congregation? Uh, and they've been, they've been given to you for your benefit. But also pastors, of course, and congregations recognize who the Lord has given you to care for, especially leaders in the congregation as well. And uh, be attentive to them and watch out for them because they are those whom the Lord has purchased with his blood as his possession. Now, this reading uh, is given, this gospel reading is actually the gospel appointed for the feast day of St. Timothy. So you noticed maybe at the beginning um, we had an image of St. Timothy there. Uh, Maybe two examples from Timothy where you can see why this is important. Uh, So this is Paul's letter to Timothy, the first letter. Uh, first chapter, goes like this, And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who has enabled me, because he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry, although I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, and an insolent man. But I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. The grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant, with faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the chief. However, for this reason I obtained mercy, that in me first Jesus Christ might show all long suffering, 
as a pattern to those who are going to believe on him for everlasting life. Now to the King Eternal, immortal, invisible, to God who alone is wise, be glory, honor, and glory forever and ever. Amen. This charge I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you, you may wage the good warfare, having faith and a good conscience, which some have rejected, concerning the faith, having suffered shipwreck, of whom are uh, Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I delivered to Satan, that they may learn not to blaspheme. All right. And then towards the end of the book, too, you'll see um, similarly why this reading is appropriate, this reading about the faithful servant. Chapter 6, the end. But you, O man of God, flee these things and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, gentleness, fight the good fight of faith, lay hold on eternal life to which you were also called, and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. I urge you in the sight of God, who gives life to all things and before Christ Jesus, who witnessed the good confession before Pontius Pilate, that you keep this commandment without spot, blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ appearing, which he will manifest in his own time, he who is blessed and the only uh, potentate, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone has immortality, dwelling in unapproachable light, whom no man has seen or can see, to whom be honor and everlasting power. Amen. Bless or command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Let them do good, that they may be rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share, storing up for themselves a good foundation for the time to come, that they may lay hold on eternal life. O Timothy, guard what was committed to your trust, avoiding the profane and idle babblings and contradictions of what is falsely called knowledge. By professing it, some have strayed concerning the faith. Grace be with you. Amen. So especially those words, guard what was committed into your trust. Right? So as we've been talking about here, um, the servant whom the master places over the household um, are to watch after the flock, to say it in another way appropriate for the feast day of St. Stephen. All right, now looking at verses 48 to 51, right, we said there were two kinds of servant. The other kind of servant then is the evil servant, right? And now who is the evil servant? Now this is the one who beats the, the servant, his fellow servants, the flock, with the harsh whip, I would say, of the law. All right while indulging himself in false eating, we see that in there, um, and with drinking, drunkenness, right? instead of um, joining with them in the Feast of the Supper. Right? So, two different kinds of servant, the faithful servant and the unfaithful. So, a meditation on this text. Jesus, the faithful and wise servant, calls pastors to watch over his flock by using the scriptures and the sacrament to proclaim Christ alone as the way of salvation. The faithful pastor feeds the flock on the preached word and the Holy Supper. Though the pastor may be tempted to apply the law to motivate and drive his people to do good, this will beat the life out of them and make them rely on the works of the law. It may seem better to have communion less frequently so that some do not have to be kept from the altar. 
but this replaces the true eating and drinking of life with experientialism and fleeting pleasure. And I would also add here, um, with an unnatural sense of time, you have to get through things quickly. For some, it may seem better to open the altar to all, but this is no different than the open bar at a wedding where many get drunk because they, are seek, seek, they seek a passing pleasure that becomes a hangover. The faithful pastor can offer the sweet preaching of the gospel only to those who have been killed by the law. He then invites them to confess the common faith by kneeling at the altar, to eat the body of Christ and to drink his blood for the forgiveness of sins. In this way, he, the faithful servant, will keep watch over his master's house. So to repeat or to reemphasize what was in the meditation there, um, it is the pastor's um, sacred duty entrusted to him by God uh, to watch over the flock. And that also means to watch over um, the care and administration of the sacrament of the altar, right? So it is the pastor's job, um, actually, to, be, to <laughs> appoint what is appropriate um, for pastoral practice, for faithful practice, and that includes the frequency of the Lord's Supper. It's also the pastor's job um, to examine and absolve those um, who desire the sacrament before they, they commune for their own sake, right? Um, that's sometimes called close or closed communion, right? You've heard that doctrine um, been spoken of before, and here um, it is by extension. I think we can see it in this text too, is to be a faithful servant caring for the goods, that is for the servants whom the Lord has given, and also caring for the sacrament itself, um, that it be administered in the way that the Lord has appointed and for those to whom it will benefit. So. Just a note there. All right, our catechism for this week is confession. What is confession? Confession has two parts. First, that we confess our sins, and second, that we receive absolution. That is, forgiveness from the pastor as from God himself, not doubting but firmly believing that by it our sins are forgiven before God in heaven. We pray. Merciful Father, you promise us that if we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. As I come before you for confession and absolution, teach me to consider my place in life according to the Ten Commandments. Work in me true contrition and repentance. Give me a desire to live a new life. Help me to know and confess my sin truthfully. As I receive my Savior's forgiveness, comfort my conscience, renew my life, Strengthen my faith in him and restore me to the joy of your salvation. All this I ask for the sake of my dear Lord Jesus Christ, who died for me and shed his blood for me upon the cross for the forgiveness of all my sins. Amen. On this Tuesday, we pray for deliverance against temptation and all evil. We pray especially for um, those just south of us in uh, Kenosha who. Um, are in fear of both damage to their property but also to their life, that the Lord keep them safe and work um, both through law enforcement and the National Guard. We pray for the addicted and despairing. We pray for those who are tortured and oppressed. And we pray for those struggling with sin. We pray for all our first responders, our doctors, nurses, and those who work in nursing homes and hospitals. We pray for Deliverance from pestilence, from sedition, and from those who rebel. We pray for our military personnel. On this, August 25th, we pray for those who celebrate, pray with in Thanksgiving with those who celebrate their birthday, Michael, heaven. 
We pray in Thanksgiving also with those who celebrate their anniversary, Keith and Tammy. We rejoice in the good confession of faith made by Blair and Alyssa this past Sunday. We ask the Lord that he would give healing to those who are ill or recovering from surgery or who are um, currently receiving treatment, Marcella, Jan, Virtus, and Ron, Brad, Janet, Timothy, and Carol, Pastor Lindau, Sandy, Linda, and Joan, Ken, Aaron, Roger, and Jean. We pray for those who are in hospice, that the Lord comfort them in their distress, especially Steve and Carol. Pray for those who grieve, especially the family of Fred Wilk Jr. We pray for those who are isolated at home, especially Bev and David, Willis and Janice and Mickey. And we pray for the mercy and mission work of our synod, especially uh, with the economic strain of this COVID-19 crisis, especially LCMS World Relief and Human Care and the Federowitz family. For all this, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. We pray together the collect for this week. Almighty and everlasting God, always more ready to hear than we to pray and to give more than we either desire or deserve, pour down upon us the abundance of your mercy, forgiving those things of which our conscience is afraid and giving us those things, good things that we are not worthy to ask except through the merits and mediation of Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. Amen. I don't think we have a commemoration today. No. All right. Let's continue with the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, as we forgive those who trespass, or give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. I thank you, my heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, your dear Son, that you have kept me this night from all harm and danger. And I pray that you would keep me this day also from sin and every evil, that all my doings and life may please you. For into your hands I commend myself, my body and soul and all things. Let your holy angel be with me, that the evil foe may have no power over me. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Yes, as you see in the the chat, on uh, Facebook anyway, yes, to keep uh, my Aunt Carol Hawk in your prayers, uh, especially now. I appreciate your prayer there, Michael. All right, let's sing our hymn for this week. Of course, this hymn um, puts our confidence and our hope in the forgiveness of sins that is in Christ Jesus, uh, which we first receive in our baptism and is renewed daily as we confess the faith of our baptism. Tis more waters cover me 
All right, that concludes our Congregation of Prayer today for August 25th, 2020. Uh, Lord be with you all today as, well, if you're here, it looks like it's going to be a stormy one, at least this morning. 